Hey guys, Emma Grady here, Press Gallery host. Just a quick reminder to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, leave us a rating, and with any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot me an email, egraney at postmedia.com, or find me on Twitter at Emma L. Graney. This will be our second last episode for the summer. We're going to take a hiatus during August, but we'll be back in September with all the latest. Um, so I guess this is the penultimate summer episode of 2018. Enjoy. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I'm your host, legislative affairs reporter Emma Graney. It is Friday, July 20, 2018. Oh, that's a lot of 20s. And this is the You'll Never Take Our Freedom episode. I don't know what we could possibly be talking about. With me today, education reporter Janet French. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Excellent. Paula Simons, my dear, how are you? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, on this happy K-Days morning. Yes, there's a parade on. Hey, Graham, did you know there was a, a parade, parade on? Who knew that? <laughs> Graham Thompson's here as well. And I apologize, I was actually late getting in this morning because even though Emma last night said, don't forget there's a parade on tomorrow, do not drive downtown, <laughs> I forgot there was a parade on this morning and I drove downtown. <laughs> yeah, the roads become kind of a fight on K-Day's parade day because no one kind of realizes. So I cruise past them all on my it's bicycle. It's a fine day to be a cyclist. It is a fine it's day sure to be a cyclist. Day. Going, woo! Okay, so we've got a few things on the list today. Um, we're going to be talking about Alberta's newest political party, the Freedom Conservative Party. Freedom. Freedom. Of Alberta. Freedom. <laughs> you can take my caucus seat, but you'll never take my Freedom. Um, also, our freedom to rewrite curriculum. hey That's why Janet is here with us. Like that sequitur. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, and the political implications of that. Lastly, we will briefly touch on the So He Shuffle, trademark, and the <laughs> Premier's meeting. Let's start off the, with the curriculum rewrite because, Janet, you're going to talk us through that and then uh, you get to leave. <laughs> she, uh, uh, you'll tag out Claire Clancy. Yeah. And then she can hold this microphone yes Jan- Janet Janet is holding a microphone that has broken off its stand <laughs> the she's, metal just snapped she, clean through she, she's holding it looking like you know like Barbara Streisand <laughs> uh I'm not singing as long as we're clear okay yeah. so Janet what's happening with the curriculum rewrite because this has oh, been a geez, thing no, I'm just thinking about Robert Redford this- oh, <laughs> but this is called you say co- that like it's a bad thing <laughs> let us pause yeah. for a moment all and think about Robert Redford. <laughs> let, let us not let us not do that. Let's um, think about someone cur- very similar to Robert Redford, which is David Egan, <laughs> the Minister of Education. <laughs> what? You know, the same strawberry blonde hair, the same... Yeah. I think Egan's yeah, no. a bit younger. But so anyway, anyway <laughs> the curriculum rewrite has caused a kerfuffle for quite some time. It's like clockwork. Like every three or four months, I feel like I should set a timer. It's like, I guess I'm going back on the press maybe, gallery. Maybe that's what yeah. the, the, that Talk was about the, curriculum. That was the ding of Graham's phone. You heard <laughs> Not it's just not, a reminder. So curriculum. Well yeah, not yet. So it's well curriculum. Sorry, it's a from the Freedom Conservative Party. Oh, company. yeah. Whoa. I know. I saw that. Yeah. Perfect timing. Mm. Uh, so anyway, t- now, curriculum. Curriculum oh. review. Now, why has this become a thing again? Because we've had you on here talking about this before. Yes. But what's happened okay. this week? So, so just for those who do not follow education news loyally, um, Alberta right now is in the midst of rewriting its K-12 curriculum, both in English and French, all subjects, all grades. And the reason that that is a thing generally is because curriculum has never been written like this before in Alberta. So they've done individual subjects, individual, you know, sections of grades in English, then later in French. So, um, so that is why it is more of a target for this idea 
that um, some political party might be trying to insert their own belief system into the curriculum because they're doing the whole thing. So it seems like every sort of um, every little every iteration or every time they come up with a new draft or a new document or there's a new development, it, it becomes a political football again. So yep. what happened was back in late May and June, the the first drafts of the kindergarten through grade four curriculum, like the actual outcomes of what they should be learning in each grade and what skills they need to possess, um, was uh, made available to certain groups. So some teachers got to see it and some groups like the Alberta School Boards Association have seen it. And um, then there were these parent meetings, which I, I went to one of them. They were completely embargoed off the record. You had to sign up to go, send an email, say, you know, register to go. And they were advertised, but not necessarily broadly advertised. So at this meeting, you could go all the curriculum for all eight subjects was up on the wall and then there were paper copies that you could pick up and look at and scan through but they were numbered you had to leave them in the room you could not take any pictures they were very strict about this I was like okay so um so what happened was that somebody who attended one of these sessions did manage to smuggle out some of the documents and <gasps> gave them to one of our colleagues uh David Staples who's a columnist here and then he wrote an opinion column about uh his concerns about the social studies curriculum he said that it didn't use words like Albert Albertans and Canadians, and that there were multiple references to First Nations, um, Métis and Inuit uh, ways of knowing and um, perspectives and Francophone perspectives. And he had some concerns that perhaps this wasn't including enough uh, Canadian and Albertan history. And uh, also he has concerns about the process of the secrecy of being told, like, no, you may not let the papers leave the rooms. Why is this such a secret, etc. Which is a kind of a weird way to do a meeting. I mean, you've got people signing up and they honestly expected that nobody was going to, A, nick the documents. And what are they going to do? Well, like, what are they going to do the, if you take... Like, so? What, are they going to come after you and, like, fine you? Are they going to come after you, come to your house and demand the documents back? I mean, it's, ridiculous. It's, it's one thing when you lock people up in a budget uh, lockup. Yeah. You know, and then they what they can do is they can punish you by taking away your newspaper's access to, yeah, to sure. future budget lockups. But These are parents. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is... It is like, so, it's an insane proposition to... Do what they did anyway. Right. That I was mean, so, so I don't agree with David's analysis of how heinous and frightening this curriculum is, but I can see his point about the secrecy. And the point is, you know, when you set up a situation like that, people are going to overreact. People are going to think you must you must be trying to hide something because otherwise, why would you be behaving in this way? It it. It doesn't look transparent, and it's fine for people to say now, oh, well, David Staples was making a fuss of over nothing because this is the most transparent. There's been so much consultation. There have been so many focus groups. There's been so much, you know, back and forth. But but the optics of this were very, very clumsy. Graham, have they done anything like this before? No. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm trying to think. No, like like lockups are for, like as Paula mentioned, journalists. Yeah. And it's, and it's also it's a time frame like today at two o'clock the lockup is done it's all public. Yeah. <laughs> but to expect members, uh, I guess you can call them civilians if I can call them that, <laughs> uh, on this text, you put them in a room and say, "Do not discuss this. Keep the papers in here, and then when you leave, leave the papers here as top secret." For members of the public to it's be told ridiculous. that it is, it is, and their parents. I mean, it, it makes it look like you're trying to do something underhanded. I know, and, 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 and Paula's right. Not. You know, over the years, when it comes to politics. The minute uh, a politician closes a door, we get more interested in what's actually yeah, happening absolutely. behind the door. Yeah. Um, the PCs, the, the they PCs, say, that's not a story. You PCs, go, oh, Yeah, exactly. PCs you know, used to have conventions 
and they would close the doors, and we would spend days trying to find out what's happening behind behind the scenes. Then next year, they actually opened the doors, and it was really boring, and no one reported <laughs> on it. But, but it's true. I mean, that is human nature. I mean, that said, the social studies curriculum is older than <laughs> it's basically the same one I learned, and I'm older than dirt. Um, <laughs> so you know. Absolutely, the curriculum needs a revamp, and absolutely there's nothing wrong with a, a curriculum that reminds people, oh, by the way, there were indigenous people here before there were European people here, and oh, by the way, the first European people here were francophone, uh, or at least amongst the first people here were, right. were a significant francophone contingent. And I wonder if, you know, of course they're not talking about Albertans if you're talking about 1887 or, you know, 1902. There was no Alberta then. I mean, Alberta only becomes a thing in 1905. Well, yeah. the other issue is that the this is K to 4. So we're not talking about, you know, we're not delving into second world wars and, you know, Canada's role in the international stage like that you do right now in the high school curriculum. We're talking about so my child is in grade 2 or just finished grade 2. The things they do in kindergarten grade 1 and grade 2 are like who's in my family? Who's in my community? And then it sort of moves, like David Egan was explaining, it moves out from there, right? Then you start talking about who, where, what city am I in? What province am I in? Then, oh, what's it? How did this province get formed? So it's sort of you have to start somewhere. So, um, but there actually is like a to to sort of finish the narrative of how this went down um, was that after the cat was partially out of the bag, I went back to the minister the next day and said, "Look, I've asked for these documents before. You've said no." you know, can you just give them to me now? Because it's part of it is out there. And he's like, oh, okay, sure. So then they gave me all of them. We put them online. And then the ne- within the next day, uh, you know, he was surrounded by reporters at a just an already scheduled math curriculum roundtable with, you know, consulting with people. Every news outlet showed up and said, like, are you going to put these documents online? And he said, yeah, they'll be up. So they were up by yesterday afternoon. Um, but meanwhile, of course, it gives um, the UCP, Jason Kenney, another opportunity to um, criticize the this what they say is the secrecy of the process and um, the I think they still have some concerns about the the history content it gets particularly absurd um, there's a fellow Len Tom who's running for the UCP nomination in uh, Sherwood Park uh, who was on Twitter complaining you know why are they stressing the fact that Alberta started off as a liberal province with Alexander Cameron Rutherford in 1905 because that's just like liberal propaganda they should be explaining that you know the whole thing was set up to screw Albertans and they should really start the history (laughs) curriculum in 1947 with Leduc number one because that's really when Alberta starts you get the oil. Nothing and, happened before 19 whatever, whatever. <laughs> I mean, you know. Good job, Lynn. E- 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 Keep it real. I mean, how, how bananas is this? I mean, <laughs> you, you, need, you need for kids to understand, once upon a time, this was a piece of land that was not part of the British Empire. Once upon a time, uh, this was a land that was first inhabited by indigenous you know, First Nations peoples, and then uh, by the earliest fur traders and missionaries. And then, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a chronology. I happen to be a big believer in teaching actual history and actual <gasps> geography. <sighs> I am not, you know, I don't believe in fuzzy social studies. I think people should learn history, and I think they should learn it in chronological order. And I think people should know where things are on maps. Uh, but I also think 
that you know the, the that a right wing agenda that suggests that we should only start discussing stuff <laughs> when the oil is discovered is equally <laughs> inane as you know teaching everything as isms. Where's this going now, Janet? Well, I think it's that's the huge question that we have for for Jason Kenney and the UCP is that he has said and he said it at the convention and he repeated this and yeah. the memes are floating around now again saying repeating his promise that if the NDP inserts their political ideology into this curriculum, they will run it through the shredder. Yep. And uh, which some people say, including our editorial board, had argued that, that it would be a colossal waste of the $64 million that they're investing into the curriculum rewrite and the time. Um, this also, this is a curriculum that the early, early documents of this started under the former PC government. Mind you, I mean, Jason Kenney does not like them either. So, <laughs> so I mean, I guess it comes down to that, but you know, he will look at the curriculum and say whether or not he thinks it's politically biased one way or another. I mean, he's coming at that with his own bias anyway, so who's to say? If yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I thought there's no, it, there's a lot of things from the UCP these days about scrapping everything the NDP ever brought in. I thought they're not going to do it. Of course, like Bill 6, for example, the farm safety, I think that they're going to look at that and go, well, it's not so bad after all, perhaps. Um, but you look at what's happening in Ontario with um, Ford, and he's scrapping things there. It comes to the, the curriculum. Well, except that he's kind of not. Like, I don't know if you followed it over the last week, but the education minister there is waffling back and forth. Oh, maybe we'll keep parts, parts of the sex of it, yes. ed curriculum because, like, I guess we probably should talk about the internet. <laughs> and see, it's that there was no internet now. in 1998, so sexting, right? But we the problem they're having that. is they make this, this <laughs> blanket statement. They become government, and then they're trying to walk, walk around it, waffling around. So I don't know... Kenny's being very blatant, very upfront about scrapping a lot of stuff the NDP's brought in. I think what's going to happen, he'll come in and he won't do the sweeping, scrapping everything. But The summer of repeal. But Yeah, exactly. That, this is actually a term he's used for next year. He becomes premier, he expects, then scraps everything. But I still wonder, uh, watching Doug Ford, to me, is going to give us a, a clue into what's actually going to happen here with Kenny if he becomes premier next year. Can we just talk about Catholics for a second? There's uh, one of the really interesting things. a joke or something. I don't know. (laughs) Comedy routine. We need to talk about Catholics. We need to talk about Catholics. Uh, So I called the Alberta Catholic School Trustees Association yesterday because one thing that came out earlier on in this process is they were also very concerned that Alberta's curriculum might wander into where Ontario's did with being really explicit about, about sex ed. Um, and uh, so I called them yesterday and they said they actually had some people from uh, different school districts who are subject area experts review parts of the drafts. I should remind everybody these are still drafts. They're not set in stone. They're not final. Um, Final approval date set for December 2018. Uh, So they said that they have no problem with any of the subjects. They don't, they see it, you know, they were checking to see whether it would align with their Catholicity, whether they could still teach, you know, permeate their faith through lessons with the current curriculum. And they said, including health and wellness with K to four, they see no issues so far. Well, this is, this is good. Yes. This speaks to the value of compromise and, and sober analysis. I also want a novel concept. (laughs) Yeah. I just also, I I think this whole conversation about um, talking about social justice in schools is really interesting because, and the problem of, oh, we're, we're we're training our children to be social justice warriors. That's what this curriculum is going to do. Anyone who's been in a classroom in the last 15 years would know, or been at a school board meeting, especially a Catholic school board meeting would have heard people talking about the importance of social justice lessons in the classroom. It is already there. It is more heavily emphasized by Catholic school boards than public school boards because it aligns with their religious beliefs. With and the their, actual teachings, yeah, the actual the teachings Jesus of, and the actual yeah. Gospels. Yeah. 
So there, I mean, that's, it's not a new thing. And it's, it's very heavily embraced, I would say, by many, by many Catholic education organizations. That's interesting. Well, I mean, I can only assume there's going to be more kerfuffles around this and you're going to keep I us I will set my timer loop. for, what's it now, July? I'll, I'll see you in August. Okay. Sounds okay. good. Hey, thank you so much, Janet, for joining us. Appreciate my it. My pleasure. And uh, we'll bring in Claire Glancy. <laughs> Clancy's back here with us. Claire Clancy, my um, fellow legislative reporter. Thanks for having me. So of excited course. to be here as always. I mean, J- Janet, because the microphone is off its stand, she's like literally passed the torch to be <laughs> Yeah. Pass the mic. Pass, pass It's a more interesting press gallery this morning. Isn't it though? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's turn to the newest party in Alberta, the Freedom Conservative Party. Freedom. The FCP. Oh, FCP. So I... Uh, oh, freedom. I, uh, freedom is coming. <laughs> It's okay. Um, So I heard about this from a source actually on Monday, but I'd worked on the weekend, so I was swimming in a pool on Monday and Tuesday. Gave Derek Fildebrand a call, and um, I wasn't sure whether he was going to confirm it or not. I said, hey, I heard you're starting a new party, a new conservative party. He's like, you heard right. I'm like, oh, tell me about it. And he did. So it's an unapologetic band of social conservatives and libertarians and Alberta patriots. I'm not sure what an Alberta patriot is, but they're in this party. And, uh, yeah, Derek Fildebrand of um, former UCP fame. Lore. I suppose. (laughs) Former Wild Rose lore. Yeah. So he um, he resigned from the caucus after a series of missteps, including... Renting out his Airbnb, oh sorry, renting out his taxpayer apartment on Airbnb, um, a vehicle hit and run, and uh, then some expenses issues, and then finally the <laughs> hunting charges, um, which he didn't tell Jason Kenny about, and Jason Kenny said, "I'll have none of that." I love hearing the rattling off of various stories that came out <laughs> last year related to Derek Fildebrand. God bless Derek. Um, so yeah, he's starting this new party. He told me, no, it is not revenge uh, for being kicked out of the UCP, but the UCP is far too much of a vanilla option. Vanilla is an actual quote, um, and he wants no part of it. He doesn't want to have to hold his nose uh, and vote for the UCP because there is no other conservative option. So he's taken it upon himself to create the new conservative option. And the party the party's registered, right, with Elections Alberta yep, and it he's is, rolling yep. it out today in Calgary. Yeah. So Graham received a a oh, email. This, yeah, this from, was the big news today was So what them, is the big news today? It's just, it's just them announcing they're actually a party, becoming <laughs> a party. What they do, you know, they they leak the news, we report on it, then there's a news conference to announce the news they've leaked that we reported on already. <laughs> so this is all them. This is them. They're announcing the creation of a new Freedom Conservative Party um, registered, recognized by Elections Alberta. Cutter Band is the interim leader. And, if, and as Emma just mentioned, the Freedom Conservative Party will bring together grassroots conservatives, libertarians, and Alberta patriots to give people an option not just to vote against the NDP, to, but to vote for a party. When's the founding convention? Uh, <laughs> it mentions this. Hold on, hold on. Uh, the first convention will be held at a date to be determined by the ah, interim board. TBD, TBD. I bet it's going to be in Red Deer. We are a party. <laughs> of, uh, we're a party for the little guy. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, there's a few of those parties now. You've got uh, the Wadros 2.0 um, Alberta Advantage, Advantage Party. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, so, but so this is not the Alberta Advantage Party. No, this is not the Alberta Advantage Party, which was the party that sprang up after the unity vote straight away with Marilyn Burns, who was previously involved with the Wild Rose Party, because they were unhappy with this whole merger business, particularly unhappy with Brian Jean. So they went, screw it, we're doing our own thing. We do what we want, 
And they we we want to form the Alberta Advantage Party. Oh, unite the right. Here we go. I mean, I have to say, uh, the schadenfreude of watching Jason <laughs> Kenney and Derek Fildebrand dueling on social media. For those of you innocent souls who are not on Twitter. God bless you. You, you, may, you <laughs> might want to get on Twitter just to watch the Kenny Fildebrand fireworks because they are a thing. This morning, I was at the UCPK Days breakfast bright and early um, with a chance to scrum with uh, Jason Kenny, And we asked him again about this. And, it, you know, it was covered yesterday as well, what he thought about Derek Fildebrand's new venture. Uh-huh. And, and um, he said, you know, he repeated what he had said yesterday, too, uh, to Don Braid in Calgary. He said, um, we're not going to be distracted by this. Uh, you know, we said, is this kind of a, like a, a revenge tactic? And, and he kind of kept to the line saying, we're not going to be distracted. Um, we're we're out in the election to win. And really, this doesn't matter for the UCP. That was the line he took. For a guy who wasn't, doesn't want to be distracted, he's just spending mm-hmm. a lot of time talking about Derek Fildenbrand. <laughs> and, and every time sort of reiterating the list of reasons, you know, he, he, you know he's not doing the, well, you know, Derek Fildenbrand, we had a parting of the ways and he's welcome to pursue whatever he wants to do. No, 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 no. He has to <laughs> get the knife in and twist it. It's it's a thing. That whole um, that whole line of we're not going to be distracted by this is the same line that Rachel Notley took when we kept asking her about the UCP and the unity vote. It's like, you know what? We're not being distracted by this. We're in the business of running the province. <laughs> <laughs> so, Graham, did this surprise you? Because we had this conversation on Wednesday. I was I like, know. hey, I've got a funny story, Graham. <laughs> and it is it's quite funny. And I said, uh, I thought the raving loony monster party was only in Britain. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an ongoing, it's a punchline to a joke and it just won't go away. And I, 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 to me, this is not going to be a serious issue for Jason Kenney. People who are conservatives upset with the NDP are voting UCP. Um, it is making things very entertaining. The thing about Derek Filterbrand is he is entertaining. I'd be sorry to see him go from Alberta politics, but he will be going from Alberta politics, at least in terms of his seat. He, you know, he'll run again next election under this banner, of course. Um, the UCP is going to flatten things, including him. Well, because so he'll be up against Leela here, won't he? Yeah. Um, so I don't think that this is going to go anywhere. It's just interesting to see how he will. he refuses to let go. It's been a long week because last week we just mentioned that Prab Gill had resigned as deputy house leader. Oh, and yeah. since, since we were last oh, in yeah. here. And I worked on the weekend <laughs> and then I get told, hey, so here's a funny uh, tip for you. And um, Prab Gill has been kicked out of caucus. Oh, sorry, not kicked out. Gave his letter over saying, I'm resigning for personal reasons. So he's sitting as an independent. It'll be interesting to see if he decides to cross and sit Ooh. with Derek Fildebrandt, which would make them a party of two instead of a party of one. I can't see that happening. But, you know, in some... And I imagine the report into Prab Gill's behavior will suddenly be leaked, I bet, to the media. <laughs> so, but, so, Jason, so Jason Kenney had a week in which he didn't want to be distracted. He had to deal with the Prab Gill thing. He had to deal with the Derek Fildebrandt and thing. And Todd Beasley. And then the Todd Beasley thing. Todd Beasley, candidate uh, running for a nomination for a UCP seat in southern Alberta, who it turned out on his Facebook page had some very, very rude things to say about Muslims and the evil of Islam. And they were really, I mean, beyond the pale, even even in an era of sort of, you know, 
uh, subtle Islamophobia all over the place. Beasley's comments were like crazy over the top. So, but I first heard about this because the whole spin on it from Beasley and his supporters was, oh, Jason Kenney is, you know, attacking the grassroots and I was going to run for the nomination. I was told I can't run for the nomination and this is very, very unfair uh, until you find out what it was that Mr. Beasley actually said. And, and then he's backing it up. He, he, he keeps talking about it. You know, he's not backing down. He sees this as a, as a freedom of speech issue. He's from uh, he's running for Brooks Medicine Hat. And actually, when I spoke to Derek Fildebrand about his new party on Wednesday, and I was like, hey, can you give me some names? He's like, you know, honestly, not right now. We're going to announce all the names on Friday. And I went, so is Todd Beasley going to be part of it? And he kind of went, huh? Oh, um, no. Well, not yet. And I'm like, I don't know <laughs> what that means, whether it's we're approaching him or we haven't approached him. Or, hey, good idea, Emma. Maybe I should ask him. Like, so, I don't know. So for, for Jason Kenney, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, uh, you could say that he looked he looked strong and leaderly when he said, no, uh, crazy Islamophobic people can't run for my party and I'm ridding my party of them and I'm no more bozo eruptions. Uh, you know, that from one vantage point makes Kenny look good and moderate. The other vantage point is, well, this guy thought your party had room for him. Uh, if people think that it is the problem that your party doesn't have room for these people, or is your problem that Mr. Beasley put these things on Facebook where they could be read? But I mean, in all like because nominations are going to be so hotly contested with the UCP, it's obviously the smart decision to say like let's not let people who are going to be liabilities Into run. The party. Oh yeah, right. And that Paul is right. That double-edged sword. On one hand, the supporters of the UCP are saying, "Look, our vetting system is working." On the other hand, you're thinking, "Well, why would your party be attracting people who need to be vetted because of their extreme views?" Right. So, so the, the NDP right. is all over this saying, "They're convinced." There'll be more Todd Beasleys out there in the next year. Uh, we'll see what happens. But by by stopping on them really quickly, um, you know, Kenny's not falling into the same trap that Danielle Smith fell into in 2012. She fell into a lake. <laughs> a fire. <laughs> a fire. <laughs> now, worth pointing out as well, uh, Derek Fildebrand, when I asked him whether it was revenge, he's, and I kind of gave him a rundown. So you're doing this because of blah, blah, blah. And he said, yeah, but it's also really you need to understand that we're only going to run candidates where the NDP cannot conceivably win the seat. So he doesn't want to split, oh, the, vote. split the vote. He made a point, he probably said that three or four times throughout the interview, that he doesn't want to split the vote. So he's only going to concentrate on, um, you know, small town, rural ridings, where it's widely seen that the, really the NDP doesn't have a hope in hell of re-winning a seat. Whether or not they'll run any in Calgary, I don't know, because Calgary's seen as quite a conservative hotbed yet. And Edmonton? Anybody in Edmonton? I'd say for sure, Graham, but I doubt it. I doubt there'll be any... So he he said to me that um, he would encourage people who are in a riding where the FCP won't have a won't have a candidate, but the UCP will to just hold their nose and vote for the UCP because at least it will mean the NDP is out of government. But you know, but this this goes back to the whole snare Jason Kenney set for, set for himself with his grassroots guarantee. If you run on a platform that says I'm going to listen to the grassroots, I'm not going to be a top down manager. The grassroots are going to decide things you're then a bit handcuffed when it comes to the time where you say, no, I, I meant the grassroots, but not you, Mr. Beasley. <laughs> you're, you're quack grass out, out of my roots. Um, you can't walk around saying that you're going to be the grassroots guy and the top-down guy at the same time. And this is 
and this is the crux of uh, Derek Fildebrandt's whole argument, is that Kenny said he was going to be a grassroots guy, and now he's not listening to but the grassroots. But I feel like people who support the UCP don't care. That's the thing, is yeah. they look at Jason Kenny and what he's doing, and they say, yep, yeah, like, let's ban people who are Islamophobic and, from running for and nominations. And the thing is, if, if uh, Fildebrandt was to have someone like Todd Beasley under his banner, well, then, yeah. then it, that, it, that's done. Like, yeah, he, he tarnishes, just tarnishes him right yeah. away. I love to see where this is going to go, but we do need to switch gears to the latest federal cabinet shuffle, which we'll talk about very quickly, and the Premier's meeting. So the cabinet shuffle has landed the single Alberta cabinet minister, um, minister, <laughs> minister, not cabinet minister, um, so he is now the natural resources minister. He was the infrastructure minister, isn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, with the, the, his big port, this portfolio, of course, goes across Canada, mining, you know, uh, forestry, geez. yada, yada, yada. And of course, you had a great conversation with him, didn't you? Great. Well, he is very careful. I talked about the the pipeline. You know, I said you're from Alberta. Now you're in charge of the pipeline, which you're going to own the pipeline. It's not just being overseeing it as a government overseeing a project. Make sure it's being done properly, and environmentally carefully. He's actually going to be the minister in charge of a project owned by the federal government. This is the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Now he was saying, "Well, hold on, minister for the entire country and mining and forestry and things like that." But ultimately. The Prime Minister has put him in charge to help push this pipeline through. It's so important to Alberta, the economy, and politically it's important, of course, to Rachel Notley. Also to the Liberals, federally, they've got um, they have three MPs. They used to have four. One stepped down because of sexual harassment um, complaints. That was Darshan Kang. They used to have two ministers in the cabinet. They only have one because can't hair. Also Re- sexual harassment complaints. And he stepped down from cabinet. He's still in the Liberal caucus. So you have the one really important minister, um, Sohi, who is he's, he's a very, you know, he's a smart guy, and Paula knows him better than anybody in this room. Um, and he's a smart guy, very careful in his wording, but ultimately this is a guy who is, who is tasked now with making sure this pipeline goes ahead. Uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I have a lot of time for Amarjeet Sohi. Uh, very thoughtful, very careful politician. As infrastructure minister, he actually had a considerable degree of power because the infrastructure minister is the you know minister in charge of handing out checks to communities to build stuff. But he wasn't in the spotlight then the way he will be now. And I mean, this is going to be a much tougher portfolio, a much tougher challenge. And I think for Sohi, who's not a naturally combative person, who's not a naturally charismatic person, it's going to be difficult to be in that hot seat. And he's going to be the focus of a lot of anger if this doesn't work. Anger both ways, you know, because he'll be the guy and and the crosshairs from the environmental groups as well. well. To that point, there was the um, pro-pripe pro-pipeline protest, I guess, or support rally, whatever you want to call it, at the Alberta legislature a few months ago. And so he was there, you know, representing, you know, his government. And he was getting booed and being told, resign, get your prime minister, boo, we hate the liberals. But then he was also getting heckled by the environmentalists, the very few of them that were there at the pro-pipeline rally. So he was actually facing it and he kind of looked... Clancy, you were at this thing too, weren't you? He yeah, kind of looked... It was, it was really aggressive and I... Yeah, it was very tough to watch actually because it's like it it almost looked a bit stunned. Maybe would he be did. He word. didn't. He kind mm-hmm. of looked surprised that yeah. he was suddenly at the at the center. Well, of such when you're malice. giving a speech that's pro pipeline, talking yeah. about federal investment yeah. and expecting you know praise from the crowd, and then you have people holding signs saying you know kind of spewing vitriol at. Trudeau and the Liberals, it, you know, I think it, it just wasn't maybe what he expected. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he is such a nice, 
nice sounds like I'm as a pejorative, but he is a very courtly and decent man, and I think it's not going to be easy for him. That said, he's a former political prisoner who was held in solitary confinement and tortured uh, by a regional Indian government. So don't mistake his gentle demeanor for somebody who's meek or mild or weak. I mean, I think he's gone... He's he's toughed out things that were far worse than being booed at by a, a bunch <laughs> of yahoos. But I, but I but I still think you know uh, for a guy who enjoyed a lot of popularity as a local uh, city councilor uh, who wasn't in the spotlight uh, in infrastructure, this is going to be this is going to be a a big bullseye on his back. It's not it's not going to be an easy portfolio. That said. I, Trudeau needed to give this job to somebody who had Alberta credibility, um, you know, so he is the strongest Alberta ML MP. I, I was sort of disappointed. I thought maybe when they expanded the cabinet that there'd be room for Randy Boissonneau, uh the MP for Edmonton Centre. And you have two from Edmonton. Yeah, yeah, I know, but you, you've only got four from Alberta and two of them are disqualified. I mean... So you know, well, I know. I mean, I'm yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, understand. The, I mean, the I mean, Boissonneau, Boissonneau is smart. He's you know got a background in economics. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Uh, he's fluently bilingual. Uh, he's like you know Justin Trudeau's special envoy on LGBTQ issues or something. Yeah, which is you know which is a good and noble thing to be. But I think Boissonneau has uh, capabilities that are not being. Uh, fully realized. Now, uh, Rachel Notley was asked about this at the Premier's meeting, and she seemed pretty stoked. I was listening to the tape on that. You listened to it too, Graham? Oh, yeah, because, you know, again... Like, you know, he's here's, from Alberta. Hooray. Yeah, he's from Edmonton. He's from Alberta, and he's got in charge of the portfolio that's the most important portfolio in terms of the government here getting this project done. So she's very... Um, she's, it's just sad. Look, you know, we have really good access with the federal government, with the Prime Minister, and now she has actually somebody... Uh, um, in in her backyard, uh, almost literally from the legislature, she could actually go to and talk to about the pipeline. Well, I mean, what Sohi is really good at is building consensus. I mean, that was his huge strength as a city councillor. Building consensus on this file yeah. is going to be a lot more difficult. <laughs> I don't but, think you can build consensus. But on you know, the but but he's he's not like a human bulldozer. He's not going to be able um, to push this pipeline through through the force of his you know, powerful personality. What he's going to have to do is to broker the deals. And for that, he has the skills. Okay, now let's move on to our regular segment. Good stuff. Well, from the- uh, but Japan did lift its ban on Alberta wheat. Oh, okay. That just happened. So get it out there. Hurry. <laughs> get it out. Come on. Graham showing a consummate understanding of podcasts there. Um <laughs> Let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we uh, recommend things we have seen heard or listened to lately that we think you dear listeners might also enjoy. Clancy, do you want to kick us off, mate? Sure, yeah. I'm going to recommend an article that I read this week that I really liked, um, and it's called The Extraordinary Life of Martha Gellhorn, The Woman Ernest Hemingway Tried to Erase, um, and it's by a writer. I really liked her book called The Paris Wife, which was about Ernest Hemingway's first wife, Hadley, um, and it's kind of just a nonfiction piece about Martha Gellhorn, who was a really amazing, badass female war correspondent for decades, wow. and um, who Ernest Hemingway wanted to be his wife at home and she refused to kind of take on that role. Wow. Paula. Uh, 
Okay, this is very self-serving. As we've mentioned before on this podcast, our colleague Dave Breckenridge is the host of a new national current affairs podcast being produced out of Edmonton called 10-3. And the idea is to showcase reporters in the post-media chain across the country. Uh, so Dave talks to them about you know the big news stories of the week. It's a particularly good edition of 10-3 this week. With why a, is that, Paula? Why is that? Because, <laughs> because the person they were going to interview fell through at the very last minute and they looked around the newsroom and they thought, who can we put? Put in this chair who can just talk for 30 minutes. Uh, and so they picked me. And it is a, uh, a crackerjack of a podcast where we discuss Monica Schaefer, the former Green Party candidate who's on trial in Munich for uh, hate crimes and sedition against the German people. Uh, and uh, so if you've never listened to 10.3 before, why not start with this fine edition where uh, Dave Breckenridge interviews me? And if you don't want to listen to that one, <laughs> sign up to 10.3 anyway, and then you'll be able to get our excellent Edmonton-produced National Current Affairs podcast. In your phone. And the first episode I was on, so you can scroll right back. <laughs> no, don't and, and do that. Cla- Claire's been on it too. Uh, I'm uh, only Graham. Yeah, I know. Graham's not Graham, what are you doing? Graham. you got to go Graham. on that podcast. You know what? It, it must be a high quality podcast because yeah. I'm not on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to recommend a piece from BBC News Magazine, which is actually a very disturbing read. Uh, it's called Branded and Beaten The Children Accused of Witchcraft and Murder. And um, it centers around some, some girls, um, a th- including a three year old. Named Comfort, who uh, her local community believes is a witch. So she and her oldest siblings are now living in an emergency shelter in Nigeria. It tells their story and the story of other children who have been branded and beaten and accused of witchcraft and now have uh, their lives are in terrible danger. Not an uplifting read, but very interesting nonetheless. Graham, what do you have for us, mate? I actually brought the book in. I might nice You've done it again. What is that? A, a paper thing? Yeah, oh, it's, it's called a book. <gasps> um, it's Jeffrey Wellam is the author. It's called First Light. Uh, he was a, f- a fighter pilot in the Battle of Britain, likely the youngest one. He was uh, 19 when he was... Now, of course, a lot of young men go to war 18, 19, but he's actually, I guess, in a spitfire on his own fighting the Germans, and he was 19 years old, and he died this week. Oh. He wrote this um, 1980... It's a memoir, and then someone saw it in 2000 and published it. It's become a bestseller in Britain, turned into a TV series. Um, so it's Jeffrey Wellam, The First Light. And it's great. Um, you know, I have a real affinity to this kind of history because my family, I grew up in Britain, and my dad was in the RAF. And so uh, this was it's really well done because it's not a, a bravado book full of you know, him shooting down Germans. He shot only down three aircraft, but it's about he's an 18-year-old who starts to train to go to war. Uh, and it's done, it's very understated, like a good British book should be. <laughs> and it's, it's written in such a way that you really get into it. And it's not all about the fighting, it's about him being trained and just how it impacted him. And, of course, as he said later on in his life, he kind of peaked when he was 19. Mm-hmm. It's hard to you know, follow that after you've been in the Battle of Britain. What do you do with your life? Great. Thanks, Graham. Thank you guys so much for joining me, Clancy, Paula, Graham, and Janet French here to talk about curriculum. Um, We have one last episode left before we go on a month-long hiatus uh, for August. So join us next week for our last episode of the summer, unless something giant happens, in which case I guess you guys will sort it out. Um, So you'll hear from us next week and then back in September at some point. Join us next week for more Alberta fun times and happiness or at least political fun times maybe on the press gallery next week next week Graham next week I know what happens Graham (laughs) bye bye